If you have your Bible, why don't you turn with me to Mark chapter 4, and we will start in verse 21. We'll continue on our theme of sowing and uh, these parables that Jesus is teaching. So if you have your Bibles, pop open with me to Mark chapter 4, and we'll start in verses 21. As you remember last week, we talked about the parable of the sower and the good soil, and the, not the rocky soil, or the, the thorny soil, or the crowded soil, or the pathway that we wanted to be good soil, but also recognizing that as we share and show the gospel that we will come across those of different soils, and that we will have to um, continue praying and loving and encouraging as we walk through those different circumstances. And here we find ourselves with three more parables that Jesus gives uh, to his followers and to the people who have come to hear him teach Uh, that help us understand the kingdom of God and our role as we serve to sow the gospel seeds. So Mark chapter 4, let's follow along in verse 21, and we'll go through verse 34 and see in this moment where the Lord takes us. And Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he continued in verse 26. He said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. And he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain uh, in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because this harvest has come. Verse 30, and and he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like the grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out its own large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, help us. We always want to come to your word, whether privately or corporately. We want to come with an open, moldable malleable heart, ready and willing to be used however you would like? Or would your, would your word just soak into our soul? Not that we put more uh, knowledge into our skulls, but so that when we leave this place, we are different and brighter lights of the gospel as we go. So where we ask and we invite your help and your leadership in these next few moments, where we love you and we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. First place that we come to, and number one on your outline, is you see that a faithful listener becomes a faithful disciple. A faithful listener becomes a faithful disciple. Jesus asked this rhetorical question, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on, uh, not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to the light. Jesus is asking, would you bring a lamp into the middle of a living room and expect that the lamp would bring more darkness? Of course not. You bring a lamp into a room to brighten up the room to make sure everything is seen. Maybe some of you this week as we had bad weather had your emergency preparedness kit ready to go with a flashlight ready to shine light into your living room. You surely wouldn't have brought that light in there hoping to make the world around you a little bit darker. No, you use a flashlight to expose darkness and make sure you're taken care of. 
Now, this past week at the Bethay House, we, we lost our air conditioner. I don't know what happened, but it just it didn't get cool anymore. And so you begin to have that worry and panic as a homeowner that you're about to have a huge bill hit your way and everything is going to be uh, over and that you're going to be hot for several days. And so I begin to have these thoughts swirling through my head. And I'm a handyman. So I went up in the attic and I just I looked around. Didn't have a clue what I was looking at, but I just looked around, hoping that there would be a big flashing button that would say, Mark, here's the problem. Press it and everything will be all right. I found no such button. So I called the heating and air people to come out and check out our house. And this wonderful man just walked around the house. He looked for a long time and I I tried to be helpful. And so I just walked around with him and just looked at stuff. And uh, he crawled into the attic and he he called me down a few minutes later and he said, hey, sir, can you come upstairs? And so I got my flashlight out and I was helping him look at stuff. And he said, "Uh, you see that area over there? I said, yeah. He said, that's the air filter. In a moment it hit me. Aren't you supposed to change those things, right? And so uh, I had that moment of just like, oh, right, the air filter, the air filter. And so as he shined that flashlight right there, that air filter, I had a, a choice, right? As he exposed the problem to our air conditioner was as simple as an air filter that was clogged like you had never seen before. Dirt, allergens, pollen, the nastiest of nastiness had found their way through that air filter. And as he shined a light through it, that was where the light stopped. It did not go past. And he said, sir, you know, all you got to do is just go down to Home Depot and get you another $10 air filter and you'll be good to go. All your problems are right here at this $10 air filter. Well, I, I had a moment there, right? Logically, everything told me, take the air filter out, put a new one in. You've got a new AC. Everything's good to go. You're, all your problems have gone away. But as I shined that light on that air filter, I could have taken another pathway, could I not? Uh, sir, this is a big air conditioner. There's a lot of parts. There's a lot of pieces. There's a condenser. And other stuff up there, other parts and valves and knobs and things turning everywhere. Surely this little air filter is not the problem. I mean, just let's shake it off, shake some dirt off and throw it back in there. It'll be all right. Surely there's another problem somewhere. Get in there, fix it, try again. But an air filter is not that big of a deal. That would be the height of foolishness, would it not? To see that an expert here has come in and told me that a simple $10 air filter, all it needed was to be a new one and I would be good to go. But at times as we come to our copy of God's word, as it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. As the Lord reveals those stinky air filters full of gunk and grime, there are times that we have the opportunity to say, even though I hear it, even though I see it with my eyes that this is a problem, just throw it back in there. It's fine. We'll be all right. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of nuance here that you don't really know about. There's a lot of things happening on the surface you don't really know. And as it says here, there's an opportunity for us to harden our hearts against it. There's an opportunity for us to see, but not really hear, not really listen to the word of God. And so there's those moments when we do a take stock of our lives and take stock of the air filter of our souls where we say, Lord, I see that things are not right. I see that there's pride in me. And Lord, instead of just throwing it back in there and saying everything will be all right, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a problem. It's just a little bit of pride. It's just a little bit of jealousy that seems to be creeped up in here. There's a big part of me. It's just a little air filter of pride. It's not that big of a deal, right? There's just a little bit of bitterness or anger. And this anger, it actually helps me to perform better at my work. And I'm not really that bad of a guy. It's just a little issue here in the air filter. And look at all the other parts functioning properly. See, that air filter destroyed the entire AC. Well, it hadn't yet because I made the smart decision, right? I took the air filter out. I went to Home Depot and bought a $10 air filter, replaced it. Cool air reigned supreme in our house again. Friends, we also have that choice every time we come to God's word. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. 
And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added. As we read and study God's word, as we apply it to our lives, as we feel the rich blessings of following Jesus, he continues to give us more opportunities to share and show the good news message of the gospel, to demonstrate it in our lives. But as we look at it and say with a hard heart, no, Lord, not today. I like my pride. I like the way things are functioning right now or there's too many other things at play that you don't understand. As we continue to harden our hearts, continue to harden our lives against the will of the Lord and the calling on our lives. You see then, even he who has little, it will be taken away. And a faithful listener becomes a faithful disciple. Remember many years ago as I was thinking about Mother's Day and remembering wonderful stories about my mom and Recall in 1994, my brother and I got this wonderful device called a Sega Genesis. I remember it was 1994 because we also got with it one of the best video games ever created, NHL 94, the best hockey game ever created. My brother and I were big into hockey, and we would spend hours sitting in front of the television playing NHL 94. I can still remember that uh, theme song playing and going to town, and we would just sit there for hours just duking it out, punching each other and playing and trying to knock the controller out of each other's hands so we could score a goal. And there would always be that time while we were playing where mom would come by and say, hey, guys, hey, I need you to empty the trash. And we would do it most of you probably did, is say, hey, hey mom, next, next period, next time the, the, the time changes or next quarter or whatever it may be, we'll get to it then, right? I hear you, mom, but hey, I gotcha, but listen, we got it. Next, next time out, we'll go empty the trash. Well, mom would come by about 30 minutes later and she'd say, hey, guys, did y'all empty the trash? Do y'all know what the answer would be? I don't know. Of course not. Of course we hadn't emptied the trash yet. We'd say, mom, next time out, I promise, we're going to empty the trash. About 30 minutes later, we're finishing up the game and here comes mom, holding the trash, glaring at us with those eyes. You know what I'm saying, moms? You can glare, you can say a thousand words with those eyes as you carry in the trash. See, there's a big difference between my brother and I hearing, listening to my mom's words, and there's a difference in getting up and taking out the trash. See, a faithful listener becomes a faithful disciple. As we hear God's word, as we allow God's word to light up our lives and illuminate our pathway, as we allow God's word to soak into our hearts, a faithful listener of God's word will apply God's word. We'll let it meditate on his heart and we'll live it out. And so two questions right here on your outline. Are you, are we applying God's word? Are we applying what we hear? I pray that we're not James 1.22ing it. We're not merely listening to the word and so deceiving ourselves that we're doing what it says, that the word of God holds authority in our lives, that it holds weight to tell us and show us and demonstrate to us those times where we clean out the air filter of our soul and say, no, Lord, this doesn't need to be there. Help me rid this out. Lord, I want to be more loving and caring and producing more fruit of the spirit in my life. Lord, help me. Let me be a fertile soil for your word to reign in my heart. The key question as a faithful disciple, as a faithful listener of God's word, is that you would apply it every Sunday. As I'm preparing for preaching of God's word, and as I come in, my greatest goal for us is not that you hear a good little sermon or you hear some good songs. My greatest prayer is that when we walk out the back doors of this church, we are different people, closer into the image of Jesus, not because of words I've said, but because of the words on this page. We fail as we come in to just check off a box of church attendance and it doesn't change our hearts. 
as the word of God rightly exposes our heart, friends, do we change because of it? Do we grow more into the image of God to shine brighter the gospel light as we leave this place, as we turn off the TV and go into the world around us? So first and foremost, are we faithfully listening to apply God's word, but also are we sharing God's word? Are we listening and are we sharing? We've gone through three weeks now as we've walked through this your one re-emphasis. Last week, we moved the, your, the one, uh, large one into the back, into the foyer. And as I was walking by today, I've noticed that there's not many ping pong balls in that one. Now, many of you have continued to pray over who your one is, and you're praying through, Lord, who are the, who's the person that you're calling me to reach out to and love and, and pray for and share? And so I'm asking again, as we continue through this, it's not a one-week emphasis. It's not a one-time deal. We say, well, share the gospel and you're done. You're patting the back off the, evan- uh, the evangelism sermon for the year. You're good to go. No, this is going to stay out there for a while to remind us of our calling to share the good news that we have received, the good news that God loves and cares for and has made a way for your salvation. We continue to share that which we have been given. I'm so thankful that the AC repairman came to my house and he shined that flashlight and said, Mark, there's your problem. You've got a serious issue, and if you don't take care of this issue, that $10 air filter will become a five dollars to $6,000 problem. Friends, right now, on this world, we may have a slight air filter problem that's easily correctable. We call upon the name of the Lord. We trust in the name of Jesus. So that problem becomes greatly magnified as we breathe our last on this side of heaven. If we have not trusted in Jesus, then we'll have no recourse for the sin in our life other than an eternity separated from God. And so as Jesus records here, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. I believe Jesus is speaking to our hearts. Say, Lord, is speaking to your hearts. Hear God's word. Hear God's message that he loves and cares for you, that he wants no one to perish apart from him. And so don't harden your heart against the reality that God is calling you today. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken Away. So friends, hear, listen, and adjust. And we go to the second parable, the parable of the seed sowing in verse 26. You see this number two, the salvation and growth is a miraculous work of God. Salvation and growth is a miraculous work of God. Here in this uh, quite difficult passage in verses 26 through 32, you see two parables that are a, a little bit difficult to decipher and determine. Jesus just gives these uh, two parables here. You see one that is not mentioned in any other of the other gospels. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is as if. Now, in this moment, you would think Jesus has got this great opportunity to clearly articulate what the kingdom of God is like. Surely he's going to use some grandiose language or some incredible revelation-like analogies and similes to show us exactly what the kingdom of God is like. He's going to paint a word picture of the heavens to show us the kingdom of God is like this incredible, magnificent, wonderful thing. And what does he say? It's like a man who scatters seed on the path. It's like a man who just scatters some seed. I think, Jesus, man, you could have used a little bit more ornate of an analogy to describe the kingdom of God, right? But it's a simple, mundane reality of a farmer. Simply scattering seed on the ground is what the kingdom of God is like. It goes on to say that this farmer, he sleeps and he rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows and he knows not how. The earth produces this incredible harvest from his sowing. A farmer doesn't understand how it happens. This miraculous, miraculous work that happens beneath the soil that nobody ever sees, this miraculous nature of this little seed becoming a great fruit that produces wonderful crop. 
This farmer doesn't understand all the logistics of how that little seed would somehow become such a wonderful fruit tree. Friends, in our lives, we recognize that salvation and growth is simply a miraculous work of God. It's a miraculous reality that Jesus, that God would save a sinner such as me. A sinner who was dead in his sins and trespasses, as we know from Ephesians 2, that I was dead in my sins and trespasses, but God, miraculous, made me alive together with Christ. This miraculous reality that we sow the seeds of the gospel and God does the incredible work in our hearts and he does the work in the people that we're praying for. We pray that the Lord would do a miraculous work in their hearts and their lives. But it also demonstrates another reality, that this simple act of seeds being sown onto the ground beautifully displays the kingdom of God. As you look at Romans chapter 1, you see, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. That even the simple growing of a seed up into a plant testifies to the goodness of the Lord, his created order, how much he loves and cares for his creation. As you see the, the sun rise and the sun set, as you see the splendor and majesty of the goodness of God in his created order, you just can't help but praise and thank the Lord for his goodness, as his love and provision and care, that it is not some cosmic accident that happened all these things to be like they are, but even the smallest of seeds to the reality of birthing a child all these things testify to God's goodness in our world. And so from this mundane act of a farmer just simply throwing seeds on the ground, we see the reality of the kingdom of God. How much more as you walk outside and see the beautiful sun, as you see the rainbows littering the sky, as you see the miraculous world that we live in should point your eyes upward and just praise of the Lord. We see that salvation and our spiritual growth is simply a miraculous work of God. You go to number three as we look at this mustard seed that a miraculous salvation, number three, produces miraculous fruit. In this parable of the mustard seed, Jesus said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? In this moment, would he use some amazing, massive seed, some crazy, awesome thing, or would he use this simple, tiny little mustard seed to demonstrate the reality of the kingdom of God? It says there's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. The small, tiny seed produced far beyond its little capacity. It grows 10 foot, 15 feet in the air and big enough to be a canopy of shade for those underneath it and to be a, a place of rest for birds of the air, a place of a rest from this tiny little seed. It's a reminder, in the mundane, simple, and small becomes this mighty, mighty wind. Think back to Jesus, born in this humble and lowly of circumstances, the smallest little manger scene in the middle of nowhere to nobody parents, born in the middle of nothing. As he grows up, lives a sinless perfect life, dies on the cross for your sins and my sins and the sins of the whole world, grows into salvation, not just for the few, but for all. The reality of this one man who came to take the sins of the whole world away. The reality of what Jesus has done in my life. How he has taken a man who was dead in his sins and his trespass 
this miraculous salvation that he has done for you and me when we trust in him, how it has produced miraculous fruit. So look across this congregation and just scan and see the miraculous fruit the Lord has produced in your life. How he has taken faith even as small as a mustard seed and he has blossomed it into incredible fruit. This is what Jesus does. He takes the mundane and makes it incredible and miraculous. He turns the normal into incredible. There's things that we see in each of these parables that we need to deeply understand. First, is in each parable you see that a seed is sown. Back from last week, as we talk about sowing the seeds of the gospel in the different soils to here, we talk about bringing the light into a room to bring forth light, and you talk about the parable of the seed growing in the parable of the mustard seed, you see, importantly, that a seed is always sown. You look at the miraculous nature of God, but you see, first and foremost, that a seed is sowed, and we can lament and get frustrated by what we don't see in the world, people not coming to faith, people not trusting in Jesus, the baptism waters not stirring as much as they should be. But the question, first and foremost, is not why not, but why are we not sowing those seeds of the gospel to the people around us? Why are we not sharing? Why are we not telling? Why are we not prayerfully considering who the one that the Lord is reaching on our pathway? So first and foremost, we know that the seed must be sown, and it is sown by our hands. We sow those gospel seeds. So my question, first and foremost, is are we sowing gospel seeds? It's easy to say, well, Mark, you're the pastor. You should be sowing those seeds. Or you go to work, or you do this, or you do that, you should be sowing those seeds, or they should be sowing those seeds, or our missionaries for the North American Mission Board, they're our seed-sowing division of our church. Friends, you and I, you and I are called to sow those gospel seeds. As we leave this place, the places that you will go, the places and the people you will come in contact with, the seeds of the gospel will have far greater reach if we're not simply just sowing our seeds right here in this church. So you're called to go out and sow the seeds of the gospel. And number two, in each parable, we see the miraculous work of the Lord. So I'm asking you, are you praying and entrusting the work into the Lord's hands? We recognize that a hard-hearted soul, those who have fallen away or trusted away from the Lord, that there is a hardness of heart. So we must pray and petition the Lord, beg the Lord, Lord, you do a work that only you can do. We ask the Lord's help and leadership in our lives to do what only he can do. You see, the farmer doesn't understand. He just sows the seeds knowing and waiting patiently for the harvest. So friends, we patiently endure in prayer. We lovingly, patiently continue to endure in the sowing of the seeds of encouraging as the Lord does his work. And then lastly, in each parable, you see a calling to listen and to apply. Jesus often repeats this familiar phrase, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. There's a call and an application. As Jesus talks in parables, at times it's foolishness to those who are perishing, but for those who desire and seek after it, who want, Lord, would your, would your word become manifest in my life? The Lord continues to show and open our eyes to the realities in our lives. And so with each parable, there's a calling for us to listen, but more importantly, to apply. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, help us. Lord, we thank you for your word that's become a lamp into our feet. And we pray it becomes a light into our pathway. Right now, as we come to this time of invitation and response, Lord, I pray that we respond to you. Lord, I pray that our hearts are open and receptive. Maybe it was something we learned in our Bible fellowship classes. Maybe it was a, a word sung today that is just poking in our heart. Lord, I pray that we follow up on that. 
Lord, we want to sow the seeds of the gospel, and we want to have hearts that are ready, moldable, malleable, and ready to change into your image. Lord, we love you, and thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.